Que pasa, Mufasa? Ni hao. Salam alaikum. Hey, how's it going there, friend? It's my attempt at Canadian since we're hosting Canada's finest young psychedelic executive on the Michaelpreneur podcast today. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Dennis Walker. Today, we've got the president of Microdose. I don't even think Microdose necessarily needs an introduction anymore. But nevertheless, for those of you born in Plato's cave, Microdose.buzz is a leading digital platform in the psychedelic space and also the team behind the Wonderland Conference. You ever heard of it? In addition to several other forthcoming properties. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Patrick Moher. My perspective on this is it shouldn't be the suits versus the roots. It's not I'm right, you're wrong. There's no place in this industry for absolutism because what are these things supposed to do? They're supposed to open and change your mind. I mean, the reality is that we live in a society that is overwhelmingly capitalistic. So when you create legal medicines, they're going to fall into that framework, which is right now bio tech, drug discovery and design, pharmacy operations, professional clinicians, doctors. This is going there. It's, I don't think that's an opinion piece. I think that's a reality. Today, we're diving into a discourse that explores the rapidly evolving industry centering psychedelic medicines and psychedelic assisted therapies. In addition to all of the picks and shovels alongside it, Patrick even combed his hair for this podcast appearance. There's a good joke in there somewhere. I'm going to find it. As always, it's a pleasure to host this podcast for you. Without further ado, let's hear what Patrick Moher has to say. Que pasa, Mufasa? Patrick Moher, president of Microdose. How the fuck are you doing today, Patrick? Well, since we're saying fuck, I'm doing fucking amazing. Would you like me to start off with the Lion King joke since you did first? Let's go. All right. What did Simba say to his dad when he was getting trampled by the wildebeests? This is a new one for me. Move Fasta. Let's go, man. We're doubling down on the Lion King hot takes early this morning. We've got Patrick all the way out in Medellin, Colombia today. Looks really beautiful. For those who can't see, let me paint a picture. He's surrounded by a backdrop of foliage of beautiful green Colombian rainforest. And there's moss all over the place, not just on his face, but also in the background. You got a killer spot there, my friend. Little hill. It's not mine, but it's a dear friend's, and I'm lucky to be here, surrounded by the trees in an actual treehouse. An actual treehouse, yeah. so that's nice. So let's get the ball rolling, and I think I've got a question that's on everybody's minds right now, and that's how did a 30-year-old digital nomad who looks like a cross between Mark Zuckerberg and Bob Ross end up as president of arguably the largest and most prominent psychedelic platform in the emergent multi-billion dollar space that we're in? If I knew the answer to that question, I would probably write a book about it and, you know, sell my, my process for only nine ninety nine and and let everyone know. Uh, really, it was just the pursuit of, you know, trying to trying to combine my, my, my passion, purpose and profit intersection, you know, the Ikigi Japanese saying and uh, getting kicked in the chin a lot on the way uh, there. I, I like to say that the, the trade true trade of a good entrepreneur is it's uh he or she's ability to get kicked in the teeth and keep smiling. So I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And here we are just figuring it out. Yeah, well, it looks like you're figuring it out pretty well because I just made it out to my first Wonderland this year and it was absolutely popping. So I tip my cap to the Microdose team and you've got two iterations of Wonderland under your belt now. So I'm curious about some of the takeaways from this year's event 
And are there any clear indications of how you might adapt and continue to improve the event moving forward? You know, when we did it last year, it was our first live in-person event in the middle of COVID. So obviously there was a steep learning curve there. Uh, For this one, you know, we just kind of doubled the size of it. So it was almost in a new ballpark and arena for us. There's always growing pains when you're, you know, creating something effectively from scratch. We've got, you know, advice from, from people on and off the team in multiple domains that helps bring it all together. But I think the most critical, you know, learning experience for for an event like this is, you know, we we're, we're really dedicated to providing an experiential, you know, event that people are going to remember, build relationships in it, and not just, you know, kind of a boring corporate um, or corporate delic as it's called, stuffy environment. Trying to balance the two and and really, you know, build something that's a, a platform for everyone to be able to communicate on whether you're a suit a banker you know a government entity a celebrity that wants to speak about their experience somebody that wants to learn you know products scientists all this and that so i would say that like the ultimate takeaway is just listening to the critiques and the constructive criticism that our audience gives us we just put out a performance uh, or sort of like a, a post-event survey and we've already got upwards of 25 submissions within a day so I think I think really from my perspective, there's always things you can improve on, you know, tighter productions, timelines, you know, food. We're going to make sure that that's more plentiful next year. It seems like a, a, a hungry crowd is never a good idea. But other than that, it's really whatever is kind of unanimously voiced by the industry. We work to improve that because what, what we can hear, we know that we need to improve on. And so, you know, when people come to us with direct feedback that's constructive and helpful, we try to integrate it as best we can right away. I used to teach multimedia production in high school, and that was one of our qualifying elements for constructive feedback, is it has to be constructive and specific and helpful and not necessarily just an attack. Like, you guys suck. It has to be as clear as possible. So obviously, you know, that's very helpful, right? I learned something similar on feedback. There's a feedback sandwich. So you come in with a positive, like, I like this, and then the improvement, and then you finish it off with, overall, it was great, and here's how you can do better. And the second, and I believe to be the most important uh, rule of feedback, I've had to learn this myself. I'm a pretty impulsive person and I shoot off the top quite often, but people have to be uh, open to receiving your feedback in order for it to be in any way, shape or form effective. So asking if you have permission to provide feedback is something I've personally been caught on a number of times, just sort of being like, hey, this is how you could do this better. And it's like, buddy, did I ask you? <laughs> so I've, le- I've learned to ask for permission to give feedback. Word. So the Microdose team seems to generate strong opinions and reactions from the psychedelic community, both in support of what you're doing and in opposition to it, which comes with the territory, right? When you're a big player, you've got a bigger target on your back. And a lot of the criticism that I've heard comes down to this perception that Microdose and Wonderland is so overtly corporatized and pandering to these larger, deep-pocketed organizations, the big bad wolf trying to plant their flag in the psychedelic space in order to profit off and patent psychedelics while restricting access to the average citizen. That's sort of, in a nutshell, what I've heard. What I want to know is, what are some of the net positive benefits that Microdose and Wonderland are bringing to the table, and what are some of the areas of consideration that critics might be overlooking when they're levying all of this criticism against you? How much time do we have? I'm just kidding. I mean, at the end of the day, I I came from the cannabis industry, and I often, you know, I I watched it emerge from pre-legalization when I was investing in my favorite shitty cannabis stocks and 
you know, all the way through to the 2019 downturn of the industry that really screwed things up. I've seen the bell curve of a emerging industry that's coming from illegal to legal in a very rapid fashion. There's going to be mistakes made. One thing I often like to point out is that humanity is humanity. We're, we're, we're no more unique than every other human in the world. And there's industries, you know, oil and mining, gas, there's big tech, there's, you know, an industry for everything. And guess what? They're all run by humans. So nothing is going to be perfect. Uh, second thing I'll say to that is, you know, the, the, the moniker that I like to refer to it as is the suits and the roots. There's, there's the roots, the people that have really dug in, stood their ground, got this to where it is, fought with, you know, sometimes their lives, prison sentences. Look at Leonard Picard, you know, he just got out of federal prison for 20 years and is absolutely instrumental to what we're standing on here. Pioneers like, you know, Rick Doblin taking it to the FDA 37, 38 years ago. Those are really important people. Those are roots that kind of helped us suits be able to come in and say, okay, this is not let laws are changing. And I say us suits, but I'm probably the, I've worn a suit twice in the last 10 years. And actually I combed my hair for the first time in a decade. I wanted to point that out to you. I, was, I saw a comb and I was like, oh, oh, it's not all that bad after all. So I, I, maybe I'm turning more corporatized. I don't know, but I'm a dirty stinking hippie at heart. And you know, my, my perspective on this is it shouldn't be the suits versus the roots. It's not I'm right, you're wrong. There's there's no place in this industry for absolutism because what are these things supposed to do? They're supposed to open and change your mind. And, and you know, that's for the better. But without chaos, there is no creation. Take, for example, the kitchen at dinner time. You're going to have to, you know, make some spills, have a little bit of a mess, do the dishes, clean it up, and then you get to eat dinner. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to cook dinner in a safe you know, responsible manner here, doing the best I can. And, and really at the end of the day, the question comes to money, right? Where's the money going? Who is it coming from? What are we doing with it? Where's the impact influence all that? I mean, the reality is that we live in a society that is overwhelmingly capitalistic. Would you agree? Right? So when you create legal medicines, they're going to fall into that framework, which is right now biotech, drug discovery and design, pharmacy operations, professional clinicians, doctors. This is going there. It's, I don't think that's an opinion piece. I think that's a reality. For the record, I'm a proponent of decrim first. I think consciousness should not be criminalized whatsoever. And, and my vote goes to let's make these things not illegal because we know that they shouldn't be illegal. We know that the drug war was started on false pretenses. We know that it was quite frankly a little bit racist and if you look at the impact of the drug war, some people are winning and some people are losing. I just see it as an opportunity to limit the playing field. And guess what? Money is going to help with that. Money buys influence. Money buys power. Politics run off of lobbyists, donations, super PACs, all that. So if you believe that these medicines are going to fall into a framework, and yeah, maybe it's not a perfect framework, but that's our job to you know be at the table, have the conversation, break bread with the people making the rules and change their minds. I think it's important to, to you know, first of all, if you have a strong opinion one way or another, carve that path for yourself, right? Like do that work, show people, don't just, you know, try and show people what's wrong with others all the time. There is a certain level of that that's necessary. You have to call it bad actors, but you know, at a certain point, it's like kind of your actions are the only the only proof in the pudding. So, so I'm focused on building. I know that there are questions around influence of money, monetization, control. But at the end of the day, 
at Microdose, we're in control of our company. We take sponsorships from company that operate in this space and we do, we perform a service. We're, we're, we're a company that pays our employees a living wage. We have a pretty diverse staff. We have a nice working environment. And I think what we're doing is, is helping spread the message about psychedelic medicine around the world. So maybe that's a long-winded answer. Maybe it's the suits with the roots. Maybe you have to be in conversation to affect change and do it the way that you see fit. Wow, there's a lot of insight there. So now I guess I know why you call it microdose insights. So now that you've started combing your hair and wearing suits and all that, how does it feel to be a corporate shill? Uh, corporate shell for who? What are we taking there? Is that a hibiscus lemonitis? That's some Herisium Labs tinctures. I've, uh, I've also got there. some Leoncito caf- uh, cafecito. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've actually got a whole range. All, this is all I'm shilling right now. It sounds to me like you might be the shill. I don't know. How much did you get paid to say that, bro? What's going on? Pacific substrates? Is that the shirt? That's three. That's three. Yeah. I have two more fingers. So that's an only NDA. one hand. Uh, oh, a friendier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for indulging me. That's going to be a fun little clip. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So I, I, I only endorse Microdose and Micropreneur. I, I don't know what it is, but I like this guy. Thank you very much. So the roster of people that you brought out to Wonderland this year is insane, right? Basically every high profile public figure in the space a lot of whom I haven't seen at any other conference on the circuit. So what did you dose all of them with to get them all to show up in person at Wonderland? Dennis, you know that's proprietary intellectual property on our sub-formulated, future-modified, new drug thingy, whatever, that we're going to patent. So I, I don't know why you're asking this question, man. Well, the real, the real reason I'm asking the question is you had Mike Tyson out there last year. Everybody knows. Lamar Odom Skyped in this year. I got to kick it with Reggie Watts, which was a personal highlight from mm-hmm. the conference for me. And we both know that Diplo is invested in the psychedelic landscape and that he's pretty public-facing with all this. He's even in a band or yeah. a, he's in a musical group called LSD with Sia and Labyrinth. What's it going to take for us to get Diplo out to Wonderland next year? So I'll answer your first question seriously, and then I'll tell you what it's going to take. I'll do a little two-parter. First, the way we get these people's relationships. 90% of this is not a cold DM. It's an introduction from somebody we know, trust, and have cultivated a working relationship with. I strongly believe, like, my job, I guess, is the big, bad, you know, corporate guy is to make money for the company so we can exist and and, continue to be alive. But I don't look at sales as direct financial interactions. I look at sales as developing a long-term relationship with someone where you can cultivate trust, mutual, beneficial, tangential value. And if that ends up being a sale, that's great because that's you know the process of relationship building and business development. And number two, what it's going to take to get Diplo is for him not to be booked in Vegas on the exact same day that we're trying to get him for an after party next year. So we'll maybe just get our ducks in a row ahead of time. Because I want some mushroom crocs. I want some mushroom crocs. I'll show those. If he gives me a free pair, I'll show them. But Diplo is bigger than me, so I don't think he will. You and me both, man. I actually made a video reaching out to him, and I never heard back. So fingers crossed, though. I think he's probably booked three years in advance. Send me that video. Maybe I can do a little, you know, ping, ping, ping. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't doubt it. I've seen the caliber of people that you get out in person in the flesh. And that's one of my takeaways was I was just really impressed with who showed up to the conference. Thank and you. it seems that you're highly motivated by international travel, as am I. And it looks like we've been to a ton of the same places around the world. I always get this question because I'm the person in my friend group and family who's traveling all over the place. What are some of your favorite places on the planet to spend time in? Right here, right now, 
Medellin, it's a perfect combination of everything I love. It's affordable, even though I'm a corporate Alex shill, I ain't rich yet. So I can, I can afford life down here. It's got beautiful weather. It's got a great culture. I'm trying to learn Spanish. Uh, I got an expat community through an introduction that was made to me by Jesse Gould. Shout out Jesse of the Heroic Hearts Project. So most places I'm a one-way flight hopper. I rent out my apartment in Toronto, so I spend almost the same amount of money living around the world in cheaper places than I would living at home in a cold and quite frankly expensive and rather boring in the winter city. Long-winded answer, Medellin. Sorry, long-winded answers. I got winter on my mind now. Medellin, number one. Where else have I been that I really liked? El Salvador was cool. Uh, Costa Rica is just a gem of the universe. Amazing. And I have a, a somewhat recently found loved one in Prague. So that place holds a special spot in my heart as well. All amazing places. I've been to each of them. And I love South America and Central America. Hablo Espanol. Si necesita mi enseñarte, puedo. No problema, amigo. Okay? Porque cuando hablas Espanol es más fácil y pueden hacer muchas conexiones. Okay. That, I basically just said that. Muy, muy entiendo para ti. <laughs> Pretty good. Well, I have to I speak I think I just clearly. said much understand for you. So I'm getting close. <laughs> yeah. The one language I can't understand is Canadian, man. Every time the abut and the roundabout and things like that, I just get oh, lost. Oh, fucking A. You're getting confused. When we're going out in a boot for a rip there, buddy. Just playing some hockey on the pond. You can't get enough of it, Dave Red Hill. Oh, don't you know? I do like Molson's though. That's one thing I learned about. You know, I've got a little Canadian blood in me. So another another question on the personal side. That's that's not <laughs> Canadian blood, just to clarify for the audience. So if, if I hack your Spotify account and rummage through your playlists, who are some of the artists and genres that I'm liable to come across? I actually just had a discussion and a realization around this last night that I don't know 90% of the names or songs in my Spotify, but I know that my genre is chill. So if it's like a vibey song that you can like move to and beat to, whether it's, you know, hip hop or Latino music or just like some, I don't know the genres. I'm just like, yeah, that's smooth. You know, as long as that song fucks, I'm listening. Well, you got to make it out to see some cumbia out there in Colombia because I think that's the, the homeland of cumbia. Yeah, cumbia, there's Killa Beats, if you want to search Killa Beats Maker. He's actually recording an album in this studio right now that's a mix between like electronic and cumbia music. It's unreleased so far, but I got to do a full listening party and it's like sweet. That was my first introduction to cumbia music and it's, yeah, that classifies as full on smooth. Yeah, you know, some people in the audience might not know this, but a lot of the music that's used on Micopreneur videos and the podcast, actually all of it is all originally commissioned and recorded specifically for the podcast and the videos. And two of those tracks I rotate heavily into the work are from a longtime friend of mine who's a professional Latin jazz drummer, and I specifically asked him to commission some cumbia tracks. If you hear the intro to this podcast and a lot of the videos, those are actually produced in-house specifically for Micopreneur, which is something I'm really pumped about. I try to control every element of what I'm doing, the websites, the logos, all of the content. I edit all the podcasts. So just a little plug right there. If you're bootstrapping it as an entrepreneur, just fucking go big and do everything. You don't need to go sample music. You can go commission it and own the rights too. So I've only got one more question for yeah, you, man, because that's, uh, yeah. that's my, my cumbia. The cumbia. My, no, my cumbia, <laughs> not to be confused with cumbia, my Lord. Straight up, dude. Well, this is literally the last question I have for you since we just hit it straight down to business. So now that you've finally started to decompress from the massive amounts of preparation, execution, and follow-up from this year's Wonderland, 
What are you up to over the next couple of months and what can we look forward to coming out of the microdose camp? So currently I can tell that I'm back because I was gifted an aura ring for my birthday last year and my charts from pre-Wonderland went like this and now they're like just starting to tap that line again of like this, you're alive and healthy. So I'm back, I'm, I'm feeling fresh and, and you know, the company's uh, getting pretty focused on, on some things. I probably shouldn't say too much about it, but let's entertain maybe another event in the United States in the near future, perhaps. We started the multi-vendor marketplace at Wonderland, so that's a planned release. Undetermined timeline, but it's coming. And then we just, we've got some cool projects we're working on. One of those things where I shouldn't say it until it's out because that's the way it should be done. Don't talk about what you're going to do. Do it and then launch it and let other people talk about it. Other than that, just focusing, man. We're going to, we're going to, you know, get more prepared, I think, in advance for Wonderland next year. We're going to try and double the size every year. And that takes a whole lot of work. We're a pretty lean, tight team. So we're, we're not trying to take on the whole world. We're just trying to do what we do really well and then expand beyond that. Me personally, I'm going to camp out in, in Medellin for a couple months and just, you know, eat eat healthy, start working out, fix my body. I kind of abuse myself for a couple months before Wonderland. So that's that's my plan personally and just keep doing what we're doing and stay stay above water and, you know, rising tide. Help, help all the ships, you know, ride that. I use that line a lot. So thank you very much. Patrick Moher, president of Microdose. Thanks for coming on the Micropreneur podcast. Muchas gracias, amigo. And best of luck to you in your continued pursuits of all of this great shit that's happening in the psychedelic universe. Thank you, sir. And we all know that mycelium grows on shit. So maybe it's a good thing. Fuck yeah. And that is a wrap. Thank you for sticking around to the bitter end. It's very sweet of you to commit so thoroughly. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please consider checking out the substantial backlog while you're at it. You can reach out to me via email, micopreneur at gmail.com. Or hit me on any of the numerous social platforms that I'm currently active on. At Micopreneur Podcast is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back here next week on the Micopreneur Podcast.